As you're finding Psalm 145, let me publicly again say just how much I love and appreciate our teaching pastor, Brandon Hiltabidel. Uh, I mentioned that uh, he has preached for us 21 out of the last 22 weeks. Uh, the one he missed was our Advent service, and uh, he was reading scripture. Up to time period, and... Uh, I know a little bit of what it takes to prepare a sermon and deliver it, and uh, that's a labor of love, but it is a labor, and it's a hard labor, and uh, <laughs> Rhonda, Rhonda was talking to me yesterday, and she said, what is it with you, Kevin? She's teaching tomorrow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, she said, yeah, I remember this. I remember this. But Brandon, you have blessed our hearts, and uh, I know that he's blessed all of yours, week in, uh, week in, week out, month in, month out, you prepare a feast for us from the Word. And uh, today, no, we'll get to that. Today's just leftovers, y'all. It's, it's that time of year. Uh, now, the leftovers comment refers only to my own inabilities in the pulpit and the kitchen. Uh, certainly not to the quality of the food. Uh, for I certainly, and the Lord called me to plant this church. It is absolutely impossible to think about this huge responsibility, this daunting task, this life-changing burden slash blessing. It's impossible to think of all that without thinking about and being thankful for two people in particular. Uh, there are many others besides the two that I'm going to mention who will remain nameless, and they know who they are, and I'm looking at some of them right now. And by the way, you people know who you are. But I will say that the planting of this church required the services of two very special people uh, who uh, decided to leave the nursery and make a special uh, appearance here. No, she did not know this was coming. Um, but I thank you, Rhonda, for the wife that you are, the servant that you are, the incredible blend of Mary slash Martha that you are. Lord has used greatly to plant this church. Thank you, sweetie. She has had to put up with a lot. And the other quite indispensable person I want to call out today is Weston. I must tell you early on, as I was struggling with the call, to preach and then to plant this church really before any budget was set up, before the decision had been made to actually undertake this work and begin planting this church. Before all that, Weston assured me that if we did this, he would, he would take care of the worship. Whew. He said he would shoulder the worship ministry and shoulder it he has. This is before he was married, y'all. This is before Benjamin and Judah and Ellie. This is before, before the launch of his career through the ups and downs of working in a family business. Weston has been faithful. And it is so good when the Lord's servant and Rhonda's faithfulness and all of our faithfulness corporately, such as it is, no matter how strong it has been or you may think it is, our faithfulness pales in comparison to that of the Lord. Great is 
his faithfulness. We must dwell on the Lord's, his mercy to us, and yes, his faithfulness. Let's look at Psalm 145. Now, we don't always do this, and I'm not trying to start a new trend here, but I'm going to ask you to stand out of reference for the Lord's word. And I'm going to read Psalm 145 to you slowly. It will be up on the screen. And I'm asking to savor the goodness of the Lord, the faithfulness of the Lord, and follow along as I read. Hear the word of the Lord. I exalt you, my King, my God, the King, and bless your name forever and ever. I will bless you every day. I will praise your name forever and ever. The Lord is great and is highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. I will speak of your splendor and glorious majesty and your wondrous works. They will proclaim the power of your awe-inspiring acts, and I will declare your greatness. They will give a testimony of your great goodness and will joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and great in faithful love. The Lord is good to everyone. His compassion rests on all that he has made. All you have made will thank you, Lord. The faithful will bless you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom and will declare your might, informing all people of your mighty acts and of the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your rule is for all generations. helps all who fall. He raises up all who are oppressed. All eyes look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all his acts. The Lord is near all who call out to him, all who call to him in integrity. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He hears their cry, their cries for help and saves them. The Lord guards all those who love him, but he destroys all the wicked. My mouth will declare the Lord's praise. Let everything bless his holy name forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you. I would like to camp out here just a bit in Psalm 145. Yeah, if we're going camping, we need to find a level piece of ground. So let's find a level piece of ground for our campsite. And I will tell you along with David, greatness is unsearchable. So as we set our tent up here on the ground of Psalm 145, I would say to you that the Lord is great in what he does. His awe-inspiring acts are splendid. They're majestic. And as our tent goes up, I would remind you, my dear brothers and sisters, that unless the Lord builds the tent, the tent builders build in vain. So our tent goes up, and we crawl into it for that very first time. As we do that, let us remember that the Lord is not only great, but he is loving and compassionate. His love rests on everything and everyone that he has made. Bless his holy name. Soon we will gather around the campfire for a meal. Let us bless the Lord, thank him for the provision, and then tell our children and grandchildren that the Lord is gracious and compassionate 
and that it is only by his mighty hand that we have found this campsite, raised this tent, and now enjoy this meal together. It's all by his great love. It's all by his great mercy. It is all by his great faithfulness that we are here. Let our generation, our generation, declare to the next that the Lord is great and that the Lord is good. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Got good news for you today. There's only two points in the sermon, and that was the first one. (laughs) The Lord is faithful. He has been faithful, he is faithful, and he will be faithful. You can count on him. I'm reminded of Paul's final charge, his final words to his son in the faith, Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, Paul says this to Timothy, This saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. What Paul is saying here is that it is in the very nature of God to be faithful. God's DNA is to be faithful. He cannot be faithless. It is the Lord's very nature to be faithful. But sometimes we wonder about this. We wonder whether the Lord is faithful. Maybe not in general. We all know that, you know, everybody knows the Lord is faithful. I mean, we sing it frequently, great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is faithful in general. We know that the Lord is faithful. But when we get down to the nitty gritty, when the storms come, when the challenges arise, when the problems seem innumerable, we begin to wonder if the Lord is faithful specifically specific to those storms, those troubles, those problems. We wonder if the Lord will be faithful to us specifically in our troubles. You can count on him. I promise you, my dear brothers and sisters, it is in the very nature of our Lord to be faithful. He is faithful. He will be faithful. You can count on him. So the first point today is the Lord is faithful. The second point today is We are stewards. We are stewards. Our faithful Lord has charged us to be faithful in our stewardship. 1 Corinthians 4.2 Paul says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. I want to talk to you about this concept of stewardship. What does it mean? What's it mean to be a steward? I will never forget this. I've shared this with you, some of you before, but it just made such an impression on me. We were at an Applebee's in Nashville. We were taking Trevin back to the airport. He was about to fly back to Romania, and uh, we gathered for one last meal and knew that, by God's grace, we would see Trevin again, but it would probably be three or four months, and so... It was an emotional time. It was kind of charged. And we sat down at the restaurant there on the way to the airport. And a young lady came up to us and introduced herself and said that she'd be taking care of us today. And I said, oh, you're going to serve us. 
and she did not like that word serve. She kind of lost it on me right there. I know she wasn't doing the calculation of what this is going to do to my tip because she was really upset with me. And I didn't mean anything by it. Um, but, you know, to some people, this concept of service and serving and stewardship, well, it's not a good concept to them. But I will remind you, brothers and sisters, that that is exactly what we are. We are servants of the living God. We are stewards. And when I talk about stewardship, I want us to understand what I mean by that concept steward. I want you to understand what the Lord means when he says that we are his stewards. And that moreover, it is imperative that a steward be found faithful. I saw this news clip recently. This is for all you football fans out there. And it's not one of our local teams, so we're good. We're good. Minnesota Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins suffered a season-ending injury while they were playing the Green Bay Packers. This was Green Bay Packers? It's the Packers, right? It's the Packers? Okay. Well, they were playing the Packers, and um, Weston Kirk Cousins is 35, which is pretty close to how old you are, right? Pretty close. Um, he was injured in the fourth quarter of the game. They carted him off. Uh, he posted shortly thereafter that surgery was a success. Grateful for your prayers. Uh, his doctor's ability, the medical team, he would appreciate continued prayers one day at a time. A little bit later, a couple weeks later, November 17th, in a press conference, he was talking and Cousins, who is a devout Christian, the son of an evangelical pastor, shared that he's turning to his faith and his family to get him through this injury. Quote, this is what he says, You don't quite know how many people are in your corner or how many people are praying for you and cheering for you until something like this happens. And then he said this, and I quote, I'm excited to kind of write the next chapter and see what God wants to do with it whatever it may be. And just kind of be reminded again that, you know, I kind of got my career. It's not my career. You know, it's kind of his career, his career that I steward. And I just got to surrender myself and let him lead where he wants to go. The quarterback shared that he's trying to accept the injury just as much as he would if it were a win. You know, he said, quote, you know it goes both ways. And I'm just a steward of what he gives me. And when he gives me a torn Achilles, I got to steward that. I love this. Kirk Cousin gets it. He understands stewardship. You see, this concept of stewardship, you got to understand that everything that you think you have it's not really yours. Everything that you think you, you might have in your savings account. Hope it's a lot. However much money you have in your savings account, that's not your money. That has been entrusted to you for a short period of time. How do I know this? If you die, see what happens to that money. They're not going to bury it with you. I've been a pastor now for 10 years, and I'm ashamed to admit this, but I have never preached to you on, on stewardship. 
this first time. I asked the Lord what to preach on, and this, I believe he told me that this is what he wanted me to preach on. He wanted me to preach on his faithfulness and our stewardship. Brother Kevin, are you talking about money? Yes. Did the hair on the back of your neck go up? If so, then I'm specifically talking to you. <laughs> but I'm going to let you off the hook here a little bit. Stewardship doesn't just uh, refer to your money. It also re- Okay, I wasn't really letting you off the hook. I was putting you on the hook. It's everything. It's everything that you have, everything that you've been entrusted with. It's not yours. It's his. But he's loaned it to you for a while to see what you will do with it for his kingdom. All right, we're going to play a little game now. I call it fill in the blank. I'll leave out a key word, and you all get to guess what the word is. And it's all right to holler out the answers. You ready? For God so loved the... Man, y'all are good. Oh, yeah. Uh, John 3.16, that's a classic. Here's the next one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was... Excellent. Two for two. One more. Let me warn you, this one's a bit more difficult. It's from 1 Peter chapter 4. We'll go in there in just a second. The end of all things is there, near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for... Oh, for Christ. That's a great answer. Anybody? Nobody's Googling this? Nobody's turning in their Bible to 1 Peter chapter 4? I'm going to give you the answer. You ready? Here we go. The end of all things is there. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Well, I didn't see that coming. Did you? I would have thought, be sober-minded, be ready. The end is near. Be, be ready for action. we got things to do. Yes, we do have things to do. But Peter says, be sober-minded and be ready for prayer. Good stewards are prayer warriors. Let's turn now to 1 Peter chapter 4. And I want you to look at verses 6 through 11. 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 6 through 11. Hear the word of the Lord. The end of all things is near. And if you don't believe me, just flip on the news. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Above all... Above all, maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the very grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's word. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Bless his holy name. 1 Peter chapter 4 provides us as stewards with a recipe on how we should actually be stewards. You may say, Brother Kevin, how do I be a good steward? Well, 1 Peter 4 is a nice little recipe. First part of that recipe as good stewards We should be praying, be alert, sober-minded for prayer. We should be praying. Second part of the recipe is that we should be loving. Love covers a multitude of sins. 
Now this verse can be misunderstood. This verse can be taken out of context and people use this to justify when sins need to be confronted. But that's really not what it's talking about. What Peter's talking about is that when someone sins against you, if you love them, it's a whole lot easier to get past it. Yes. It'll cover it. Love, love will cover that. When all else fails, love and pray. Because if you're praying for those who despitefully use you, once again, it's a whole lot easier to get past it. So we should be praying, we should be loving. Third, as good stewards, and this church is so good at this, good stewards are hosts and hostesses. Good stewards should be hosting, uh, and this is the only one of the little recipe things here that has a warning. Um, Make sure you're hosting and hostessing. Make sure you're hospitable, but no complaining while you do it. That's, what, that's the one that gets me. I love to host, but I might complain a little bit as we line up and get it ready or as I'm taking down the chairs afterwards. So good stewards are praying. Good stewards are loving. Good stewards are hosting without complaining. And then fourth, we should be serving. And what exactly is serving? Serving is praying. Serving is loving. Serving is hosting. Serving is speaking the words of the Lord. Our Sunday school teachers are serving in this capacity. Our preacher serves in this capacity. Whatever gifts God has entrusted you, use it for his glory and not your own. Thirteen months ago, we as a church launched a new mission effort in the Dominican Republic. Including that first trip, we have now been back five times and I have a little uh, two-minute video that I want to show you just, just to highlight uh, a little of what has taken place in the last year. So in the last 13 months with our partnership with Revision, we've been to the DR five times. Several of you have been there. The Lord has started a great work. And I want to encourage you to pray about going back with us. It's been a good start for our, our in-person mission work in the last year. I also want to... Uh, ask you to turn that off. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I want to uh, remind you of where we were seven and a half years ago as well. Seven and a half years ago, we were ready to be good stewards of a brand new tool that the Lord was about to place in our hands. And that tool is the land in the building right here at 390 Brinkley. And we were ready. And by we, I mean all 55 of us. And of the 55, 28 were kids. And you know what the Lord led these crazy 55 people to do? He led us through a pledge campaign so that we would be able to start paying for this beautiful property. And last January 1st, we celebrated the burning of the note. The Lord has allowed us to pay that off. You have been faithful in your stewardship, and I thank you. That's a reminder of where we were seven and a half years ago. It's also a reminder of where we were a year ago. And where are we right now? Where are we today? We stand on the verge of reaching our neighbors for the Lord Jesus Christ. It was mentioned, Weston mentioned earlier, that there were um, a lot of ups and downs, difficulties 
this last year. We've gone through a lot this last year. But the Lord has been faithful. He has led us every step of the way through this long and difficult path. And the Lord used every step of that journey to bring us in closer contact with our neighbors. And some of those neighbors are with us today. And one of those neighbors we lost this last week. He's with Jesus now. And so I challenge you, Blackman Baptist, to bring our facilities, this tool that we have been entrusted with, to bring our facilities, look around you. We're, we're pretty, pretty well maxed out. Now, there's always room on the front row. Thank you, faithful ones. Thank you. And I notice the back row is always full. But we are pretty well maxed out. And Brandon mentioned this, that uh, if we don't do something facilities-wise, we're really going to have a hard time growing past where we are right now. It's a holiday weekend, and it's still pretty full in here. I will share with you that we have averaged over 125 the last six weeks. This room can accommodate 150 people. But if you've ever been in a room that could accommodate 150 people and had 150 people, you know, there won't be 150 people there next week, probably, because people need to feel like there's room for them when they walk through the doors. We need to expand our facilities and bring them up to our community standard or we're going to stop growing. I saw this when we were part of Northside Baptist. That was another church plant. We joined that church when there was about 45 or 50 people right before they chartered, right as they chartered, and then we joined a couple weeks after that. And the situation was a little bit different. Northside had a wonderful piece of property, 22 acres, but they didn't have any buildings on the property. And so we were meeting in Oakland High School, and we got up to about 120, 125 people. And we noticed that year after year, we were right there hovering at that 125, but we couldn't grow. It was like we would change out some people, and then some new people would come in, and, and we were stuck. And we were stuck because we didn't have adequate facilities. And so we need to expand the facilities that God has so graciously allowed us to have and used for the last seven and a half years. I thank him for what he's done here because it has been phenomenal that a church of 55 people would be able to move in on this beautiful property right in the heart of where the Lord has called us to do this work, that we could do that, and then we had a place to worship. We had a place to fellowship. We had a place for nursery and for Sunday school. I'm very thankful, but... We're not that far from maxing out the number of people who can be with us here. And if we don't expand our facilities and bring them up to the community standard, we will stop growing. We're going to max out. We, I say this humbly, I believe that you have been good. As good stewards, we need to lay out ourselves on the altar before the Lord and say, we know it's not ours, it's yours. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And, and you know what? 
a lot of you guys don't eat dessert. I've noticed this. A lot of you do. Let, let's, let's be honest. And I'll be in that category too. But the best part of any preaching of the word, teaching of the word, is the response time. Now it can be going on during the entire lesson, it can be going on during the entire sermon, but here is your opportunity to respond. We call it an invitation. We use the invitation as a time for you to let us know. Sometimes it's an announcement to tell you what the Lord has already done in your life. Maybe that was the week where you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you want this body of believers to know that you're now part of the body too. Or maybe the Lord has led you to be faithful and obedient and to follow him in believer's baptism and this is your time to tell the body, I'm ready to be baptized. Or maybe this is the time when the Lord has led you to join this fellowship and to become part of this body of believers and so you can join the church. That's an announcement time. But you know, it's more than that. It could also be the time when you just come and you pray about whatever the Lord is working on you with. If you came today, maybe it would be about stewardship. Maybe not. Maybe it would be something else. It doesn't matter. But this invitation is the dessert. It's the best time because we expect a response. God is faithful. He's moving. He makes things happen, and we expect to see him do things. We expect to see him work his mighty acts. Now, I will tell you this, never going to manipulate you, never going to emotionally drive you down the aisle, never going to stampede you down here with a bunch of people so that it's easier for you, but we're all going to give you the opportunity to respond. And I know a lot of you stiff-necked pride people, proud people are just like me. If I go down front, they're going to think, hmm, I wonder what he did this week. No, no, not in this church. We're not going to do that. So it's dessert time. Musicians, if you would come forward, worship leaders, we're going to give you the opportunity to respond. Maybe you do need to come and talk to the Lord about how you have not been as good a steward as you should be. The Lord will help you with that. Maybe you do need to come tell us something great that's happened. Maybe you just need to come and pray. Whatever. Dessert is here. Invitation is ready. Please stand. Father, bless your faithful stewards now as we celebrate you as we worship you, as we thank you for all that you have done for us. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.